Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, kid folk? Welcome to the number one ranked show. I am your host, RJ Young. Thank you for watching on the Fox Sports app, YouTube, or listening wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the show, we have to take a look at my top 25, how they compare to the Associated Press top 25, and really what we think the college football playoff top 25 is going to look like on Tuesday. And let's talk a little bit about the coach of the year, because we've got actually several good candidates through week 10 of the season as we are heading straight toward the final month of regular season college football as we try to crown a national champion. All right, so let's take a look at my rankings, which more or less match up with the Associated Press rankings, which is a great way to get us started in the direction we think the college football playoff is going to go. We both have Georgia at number one. I think that part is self-explanatory after what they did to Tennessee. I have Ohio State at number two. They have uh, Ohio State at number two. Same thing with Michigan uh, at three. Those are interchangeable. We'll get to see which one of those teams is the better of the two on November 26th. Very excited about that. Also, we all thought that, you know, Clemson, the way that I looked at it was Clemson decided that they wanted to rank Texas Christian at number four. And they decided that, you know, more or less it kicked off with Notre Dame. And after Notre Dame blocked a punt and then returned it for a touchdown. And then after Cade Klubnick came in and threw a pick. And then after DJ Uyunglele threw a pick six. And after they gave up 265 yards rushing to uh, estimate. And Drew Pine is also got a win against an undefeated Clemson, which I'm sure has got a gall Notre Dame fans to no end because now you have a quarterback controversy. Tyler Buckner comes back. However, Tennessee stays inside of the top five uh, for them. They, I dropped them to six. I think Oregon is a better football team, which is something else that's wild to think about, knowing how it started for Oregon and how it's going, right? We really need one of those TikToks to go on there. Also, I have Texas in here at number 16, they had them at number 18. I had to make sure I was right there. Both of us, I was ahead on having Liberty in my top 25, but now they have decided to put Liberty in the top 25 because that's what happens when you go down to an SEC stadium, particularly SEC West, and you get a W. That's what Liberty did. I'm going to be so happy when Auburn fans decide they want to back up a dump truck to Hugh Freeze's house, and we're back to get yourself a burner phone. That's going to be a lot of fun. Notre Dame at number 20 is where we need to start the discussion today. All right. I. Did not rank Notre Dame in my top 25 because we might need some sound effects for this, but I'm on villain mode right now, which is kind of nice because I've, I've been really, really looking for a good reason to put on the black hat to go Breaking Bad. And Notre Dame has given me this opportunity, which is wild because I wanted Notre Dame to be good in the worst way. And you burned me. You burned me pretty bad. You burned us all pretty bad. All right. So you got Notre Dame at number 20 off the strength of beating an undefeated Clemson. Good for you. That's nice. That's that's real nice. I'm, I'm happy that you were able to beat a Clemson team that doesn't actually have a quarterback because they played two in the second half and they still don't know who the guy ought to be. And we're going into the second week in November. All right here. Now, also in here, Notre Dame put the money in the bag, 26-21 to Marshall, $1.25 million they got body for the bag in Marcus Freeman's debut in South Bend. I can't let that go. I won't let that go. You got bodied by Marshall. You got bodied by McConaughey Marshall, by we are 
Marshall. Mm -mm, no, mm -mm, no. Mm -mm. So that's one. The second one is Stanford stands for we beat Colgate. Uh, no disrespect to Rob Stone. Colgate. We beat Arizona State, who fired their coach after losing to Eastern Michigan. And we beat Notre Dame. You see how two of these are not like the other? You know, Stanford has the opposite win ratio of Notre Dame this year. They are three and six, and it's going bad over there in Palo Alto, okay? Going so bad that I'm not even sure that we get to consider Stanford as a Pac-12 school this year because it just feels like, you know, that's, that's a money in the bag game right now. That's how bad they are. That's how bad the tree is. You lost to that team. You lost to that team. You lost to Ohio State, which, fine, cool. You had one boss battle inside of your NPCs where you got sniped by two campers with the radar on. You know what I'm saying? Like, where are we dropping in, boys? Oh, did I just get shot while parachuting in, which is impossible, but somehow Notre Dame did that. And then we have last night. So, cool. Great for you. Um, uh, That's awesome. You run the rest of November. You go undefeated in championship November. You can talk to me about a top 25. Until then, don't lose to Marshall. And don't lose to Stanford in a bad year, okay? I don't want to hear about it. Also, a uh, point was raised to me. Notre Dame is perfect against ACC competition, 27-0. and 0. To which I ask this. What good is being 27-0 and 0 in the ACC if you can't win no natty? And I'm not asking that question so much as Brian Kelly is. Really, maybe Notre Dame joins a conference maybe the ACC instead of having an open marriage with the ACC where you get to play and win national championships. Because frankly, I would rather that you go get beat down by Clemson in an ACC title game than waste my damn time in the Cotton Bowl, which is a great way to also say, let's talk about LSU being ranked ahead of USC. Now, as many of you watching the show will actually just see, right? I'm wearing my gold jacket and my purple turtleneck. The reason I'm doing that is because I saw Steve McNair throw up the hooks and I knew that I was going to be a Q. However, it goes with the party of the day, which is inside the Fox family. We're very happy for Joy Taylor and her nephew, Mason Taylor, who are LSU Tigers, who got a great win against Nick Saban, handing Alabama just their second regular season loss before Thanksgiving since 2010 in Brian Kelly's year one. Really awesome stuff for them. Now, LSU ranked at seven ahead of USC, UCLA doesn't make much sense to me because, well, one loss is fewer than two losses. And LSU won a squeaker, or excuse me, lost a squeaker. I almost did it again. I lost a squeaker against Florida State, right? And then got handily beat by Tennessee. And then we saw what happened to Tennessee against Georgia. That is not to say that LSU is not a good football team. I just don't think that they're the number seven team in the country. Really, we're squabbling, right? I think that one loss automatic impact side of a Pac-12 conference even though the Pac-12 has not had a representative in the college football playoff in five years it's not really that big a deal except to say I think I think we're overlooking just how good or bad uh, the play has been in the Pac-12 a la USC losing to Utah right which is a good football program and Oregon basically running through their Pac-12 competition since losing by 46 points to Georgia okay last point to raise here is that Washington got ranked only to get ran like, I'm in a group chat with Georgia fan, a Ducks fan, and a Washington fan. And it's always funny to me because the Pac-12 dudes are always ganging up on the SEC dude and the Big 12 dude, soon to be an SEC dude. But the reason I point this out is because this is Washington-Oregon week, and that game is in Austin. And Bo Nix has, frankly, been putting on a Heisman-level performance 
since week one. So much so that we're probably going to have to start talking about him in a very real way as being a contender for the Heisman Trophy. So I didn't want to rank Washington only to see them get beat by Oregon and dropped out of the rankings. I tried to do a little bit of future-proofing here, which is why you'll see Baylor at number 25 because I looked at the schedule. Baylor still got games against Texas Christian and Texas left and could play itself into the Big 12 championship game quiet as it's kept. I got Coastal Carolina and Central Florida there because, well, Coastal Carolina is a one-loss program and US, UCF has two losses but also beat Cincinnati and probably is in the driver's seat to play Tulane, who I have ranked at number 17 as we're talking about group of five schools not named Liberty. I thought that perhaps at 20, Kansas State deserves more recognition because their losses are to good football teams, or I should say the teams that have been or are ranked, right? Talking about Tulane, talking about Texas Christian, and then yesterday, uh, excuse me, not yesterday, Saturday against Texas. All right. There's also a good way to say we're going to see what the college football playoff selection committee thinks about these rankings on Tuesday, for which we will have a live show about 15 minutes after they reveal the number one team in college football, which we all know is Georgia. So maybe... It'll be a little bit sooner there, but you can see it on our social channels, Twitter and uh, YouTube, excuse me, for starters there. And of course, you'll be able to listen to it on the podcast the very next day. All right. From that, let's go to my top five coach of the year candidates. I'm going to go one to five here because I'm not really ranking the coaches so much as I am listing the coaches. So you're going to see numbers next to them, but I'm not really saying that one coach is better than another coach. I'm just saying that right now, these are the five guys that I'm paying the most attention to for what they have done. In 2022, okay, not really giving you a whole lot of credit for what you did last year. However, I'd be a fool to tell you that past performance is not indicative of future performance in this sport, or at least the way that we want to talk about the sport. Because as senior producer Catherine Donnelly likes to remind me, RJ, talk about the sport as it is, not as you want it to be. Okay, so that said, number one, I got Texas Christian coach Sonny Dykes. Sonny Dykes has... TCU off to its first 9-0 start in 12 years. Last time that TCU started at 9-0, they finished 13-0, and Andy Dalton was still the red rifle, and he's winning Rose Bowls. That's how long it's been, because anybody who's seen Andy Dalton's career basically the last five years is going, dog, that has been a long time, has it? Also, they still got the statue up of the Texas special assistant to the head coach, which I think is great. That's awesome. <laughs> I can't wait for Texas Christian versus Texas this weekend. Saturday in Austin, it's going to be so much fun because, well, Sonny Dykes was on that staff the last time they were pretty good. Number two on this list, I got Lincoln Riley from USC because not that USC is that good, and they are, right? It's that they were that bad, right? So taking into account what USC was when they fired Clay Helton, 4-8 program, you made the secondary coach the interim head coach. He was mercifully retained by Lincoln, and then – Lincoln just trawled the transport portal, which is something he did at Oklahoma, by the way, and created a winner seemingly overnight. Their one loss is on a game winner in Rice-Eccles against Utah, a game that they probably win if Jordan Addison stays healthy, Eric Gentry stays healthy, and then they might be undefeated. And we're talking about them not just playing for the Pac-12 championship, but probably playing in the college football playoff. It is indicative of his past performance, I understand, but the mess he inherited at USC you got to give him credit for what he has done. If they run the table and win the Pac-12 championship and somehow get in the college football playoff, you're probably going to hear Lincoln Riley's name mentioned more and more for the Eddie Robinson Coach of the Year. And now, number three, let's talk about Kansas head coach Lance Leipold, who has been doing an amazing job at Kansas. This is a doormat of a program before he got there. 
And when he accepted the job or Travis Goff identified him and then accepted the job, yours truly was way out in front on this because everything that Lance Leipold has been able to do at the lower levels of college football to Buffalo to now Kansas has been winning. And winning in a way that makes you very proud to have thrown your support behind him, right? The dude does it in such a way that it makes you feel comfortable. Whenever I've had exchanges with him, even on this program, they've always been cordial. He's always been nothing but kind to me. And kindness goes a long way with me, as I'm sure it does with you. And now we have a Kansas football team that is bowl eligible and got its first ranked win since 2008 on the same day. That's phenomenal. Also, the hero against number 18 Oklahoma State in a beatdown for Kansas is from around the way. Devin Neal is from Lawrence. He had 200-plus yards rushing, 100-plus yards receiving, had an absolute day, and their defense is playing out, um, out of their minds. I'm having such a good time watching the Kansas Jayhawks not just be relevant but content, right? Because Lance Leipold could win Coach of the Year just by getting to 10, game, 10 wins, excuse me, 10 wins this season, which is not something I might be able to say about our next coach to mention, Josh Heupel, who also has done a remarkable job of turning around a Tennessee program that really just needed the right guy to inherit that job, I think, right? Whereas Kansas is much more of an overhaul. Josh Heupel just had the right demeanor for a Tennessee fan base that had been through the Lane Kiffin experience and didn't like it, had been through the Jeremy Pruitt experience and didn't like it. And Josh Heupel kind of falls right there in the middle with his high-powered offense. They want to go fast. They want to score. They want to play one-gap defense and get tackles for loss. And they still have the most ranked wins in the sport. They just took a, an L, best team in the sport. And that's nothing to sneeze at, especially knowing what Tennessee's schedule is year in and year out. I hope they can sustain this momentum because it's, it's fun to see Tennessee be good. And it's fun to see their fans have something more than just misery to celebrate or that we're going to get out of a contract with Jeremy Pruitt so we can go get somebody else. Shout out to Danny White, who just said, hey, I got a winner down there in Central Florida. I'm going to bring him with me to Tennessee. And then at number five for me, Ohio State head coach Ryan Day. I think it's important to just get this out of the way. Ryan Day could be Jim Harbaugh, could be uh, Kirby Smart, because I think the only way that he's going to win the uh, coach of the year is by running the table, winning the national championship. That's it. Because it's Ohio State, right? It's Georgia. It's Michigan. We expect you to be good. We don't really think of those programs as being the kind where they need a Herculean effort from uh, uh, a head coach who can just infuse his momentum and his desire to win and his work ethic into the program in the way that, say, Lance Leipold has or how Sonny Dykes just seamlessly transferred over from Southern Methodist to TCU and made a winner out of a team that, quite frankly, Gary Patterson just had to give up on and go his own way, right? I really think that also we could talk about Brian Kelly, LSU. We can talk about Oregon head coach Dan Lanning. Two things to take away there. Brian Kelly beat Nick Saban. That's great, you know, because so did Josh Heupel. But I'm not necessarily inclined to give somebody a Coach of the Year award for beating Nick Saban. Uh, you can have the Nick Saban Coach of the Year award should he want to grant it to you. That said, there is a point to be made that he inherited a mess, Brian Kelly, at LSU. But as I've been saying, and I wrote at Fox Sports, it's the best job in America because all you got to do is try to keep a lid on what you got, keep the state in your back pocket, Swipe a few from Texas, swipe a from California, swipe a few from Florida, and you're winning. As a matter of fact, perhaps it all comes back to he just stayed with Jaden Daniels, 
and decided, no, 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 I got to do that takes care of the football. And if I got to do that takes care of the football, doesn't throw it to the other team, doesn't put it on the ground, we'll have a chance to win. And that's what Jaden Daniels has turned into. He is the kind of guy that you can go into battle with and win. You're also keeping Keishon Mute on, on the program, even as he's deleting his entire Instagram and going closer and closer to what we think is transferring. All before you turn it all around, you get a win in Baton Rouge, and you're celebrating in a very real way. Dan Lanning also needs to mention here because, frankly, it didn't look like it was going to go well for him after that week one. You lose 49-3 to Georgia. We're all out on you, and you have done nothing but destroy everybody you have played since then. As a matter of fact, Oregon and Ohio State are two teams that have scored at least 20 points or more in every game that they have played since week two. Now, Ohio State is riding a 70-game streak of scoring 20 points or more, but knowing what Kenny Dillingham has been able to do with Bo Nix, knowing how the defense has really decided to come into its own with Landing taking over a little bit of the play calling, Todd Shapoy being able to hunker down on that secondary, it's been kind of fascinating and fun to watch. But I think this list is going to change a little bit more and probably drastically by the time we get to December. I mean, a couple of guys that I thought about even as we're getting into the nitty-gritty of this, Mac Brown at North Carolina, who's got a loss to Notre Dame. Sit. Drake May, first year as a starter, he's a Heisman contender, right? These are all good problems to have if you are a pundit like me and you're just trying to figure out who the best of the best is. And then every once in a while, you get Kirby Smart to show up and say, no, 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 it's still us. We're the defending national champions, and we don't plan on giving up the crown. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of the number one college football show. My thanks as always to our lead producer, Tyler Wojak, our senior producer, Catherine Donnelly, who saved me from making a monumental mistake here today. Our director is Kyle Holly. Our social media maven is Javion Duncan. Our lead of screening is Reg Cohen. I'm the host, RJ. We will see y'all live after the college football playoff rankings reveal. Deuces. <laughs>